And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here today with Justin. Just, how are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm good, Gav. How are you? Good, mate. Good. So today we're going to wrap up the transfer window and then in the second part we'll do a, a, a dive into our Champions League group and, and what we're going to face there. So we'll start, with the, we'll start with the window because it's basically closed. Um, I know, I believe Turkey's got another week to go or something, but, but we're done, Saudi's done, all the, all the big ones are done. So let's start with the ins, Juz, because I think we need to take these in two different parts. I think we need to do an ins and an outs because to me it's almost like two different windows, right? Like I think it's it's going to be a completely different grade for both of them. So let's start with it in. So incoming, we had Declan Rice for 105 million. We had Havertz for 65 million. Timber for 35 million. And then David Raya for 3 million plus 27 at the end of the year, if it becomes permanent. Um, I think we all expect it to become permanent. I think that basically it was done this way to get around FFP. I, I don't see anything other than a permanent transfer at the end. Just how are you rating this window just from an incoming perspective? Um, Gav, I think I got to give it a, a solid A. Honestly, uh, I think we addressed all our. Um, I think we addressed all our troublesome positions. Well, we addressed every position really. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have questions about Havertz, which, you know, kind of makes me, uh, a little nervous. Uh, but I mean, Rice has been brilliant and, uh, I do think, as I've said on this pod before that Raya is a little better goalkeeper than Ramsdale, just, just a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, it, honestly, the only thing keeping it from an A plus is Timber's ACL injury. Timber's ACL injury to me. So um, I, I like the window. I like the incomings. Um, I'm pulling for Havertz. I, I don't want to like trash him, but I've just not been impressed yet. But yeah, uh, a solid A for me. Yeah, I think any window where you shine Declan Rice is immediately an A. Like I think that is basically the base point at that point. I I think he's just he's such a seismic signing, um, yeah. and you've already seen how good he is. So I think it has to be an A, and the rest around it are what are what you know kind of bump it up. The timber injury is very very unfortunate because yeah. I, I think I I agree it was an A plus 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 window until that point for incomings. We had done everything that we needed to do. I think you're right on. Havertz um that is the that's the big question mark at a window right for for an incoming because I don't know anyone other than maybe Arteta and Edu that doesn't think that at the very least we massively overpaid I think it's it's probably double what we should have been been paying for him it's another Chelsea player it's not a transfer that I would have done and the start has been underwhelming I think if he comes good, though, Jazz, 
if he ends up with 12 league goals this season and, you know, a really good contributor, does that push it back up to an A-plus, even, even knowing what we know with a timber injury? Man, Gav, I don't know. I mean, this is a really tough one for me because I think we already had two very good players in Emil Smith-Rowe and Vieira who could have played that position and we could have put $65 million anywhere else. I think that's kind of my only hang-up on it. I, I, think... do, I want to bring something up there, though, Just because I'm not sure, sure I agree with you that either of those players can play that position. Right? I, I'm just well, not are you sure I believe it. Are you, are you sure Havertz can? I think Havertz can do half of it. I don't know if he can do the other half. And I am the same with Fabio Vieira and Smith-Rowe. Right? They're just the other half. I don't think that Fabio Vieira or Smith-Rowe can do the off-the-ball work and the pressing work and the target man work that Kai Havertz can do. I don't know that Kai Havertz can do the creative work that Fabio Vieira does, and I don't know he can do the goal scoring that Emil Smith-Rowe can do. I kind of think we've got three players that could add up to one player that would be perfect for that position. That's how I feel about it. I I agree with that 100%. Um, Those three together would be like the perfect player for that left eight, right? Um, But they're three separate players, and Kai... excuse me and Kai is still only one third of that I would have still rather seen Vieira or Smith Rowe either one uh put into that left eight role uh and put the 65 million to something else like a striker or anything else (laughs) yeah I think we've Fabio Vieira and Smith-Rowe, my my only thing is this. With Fabio Vieira and Smith-Rowe, I don't think there's any chance at all of either of them developing the kind of skills that Havertz has. I do think there's a chance that Havertz could develop the kind of skills that they have, simply because from all I've heard and not seen, but from all I've heard, Havertz was that player at Leverkusen. That is my only thing. Is there more to come from Havertz that we haven't seen going forward? Because I don't believe there's more to come from Vieira or Smith-Rowe defensively, target man-wise. You know, at at the end of the day, neither of them are going to just become good in the air and start winning balls in the air. Um, And pressing-wise, I just don't think they're ever going to be that sort of player. Whereas I think with Havertz, there is... I mean, I'm not saying it's a good chance, but maybe there's a little chance that he could recreate that Leverkusen stuff and become a bit more assured again in front of goal or be a little bit more creative. It's kind of a tough one because, you know, I mean, you're obviously right. Um, Smith Rowe and Vieira aren't going to suddenly grow to be, you know, six foot three, um, you know, dominant in the air that, that that's just, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think there is something attractive in Havertz's uh, physical abilities that they're not going to be able to attain. That is that like goes into strategy for you know Arteta. Um, all that being said, though, do you not think both of those other players? Well, I know you're not a big Vieira guy, but let's let's just let's isolate Smith Rowe for a second. Do you not think? that even if he's not the physical specimen that Havertz is, that he doesn't give more than Havertz has so far? I think he has scored at least two goals by now. 
that that I will say, I do think he would have scored two goals by now. But I do think the structure of the team would suffer with him in there instead of Havertz. So I don't know. It's about you know, I guess it's about what you would what you prefer. You're giving something up with with any one of them. And I, I think I, I look, and by the way, I I'm not disagreeing with you here. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate and I'm looking no, at I know. It from a I different know. From a different view, I would prefer to see Smith Rowe starting there. I would like to see five games of Smith Rowe there and see where it goes. I don't really think that Fabio Vieira is even in the slightest bit capable of playing that role. Um, I think Fabio Vieira is a lot more comfortable in Erdegaard's role. When we've seen Vieira with his cameos off the bench, it's been in very specific circumstances. It hasn't been from the start. It's been when we've been chasing a goal, you know, so, so it's it's not the same. He's not playing the same role when he comes on that Havertz has been playing when he comes off. That That is that is just the way it is. So I, I don't think Fabio Vieri is suited to that role at all. I think he's a lot more suited to the Erdegaard role. And obviously, I don't think he's a temp for the player that Erdegaard is. But I think he's more suited to that role, which is a little bit more creative, um, a lot less... Physical, I think we can say Erdegaard's role is the left eight. The left eight is the one that's supposed to be crashing the box, getting in at the back post. He's the one that's supposed to be... And and I don't really understand why we've moved away from Erdegaard leading the press and going to Havertz leading the press. I, I'm not really sure why. I don't know why they why that there can't be a better way of working that because I don't think that that's really clicked yet. But I don't. I just don't think that Vieira's capable of doing that stuff. Um, Smithrow... We're going to have to see what happens with him. Like uh, we'll get onto this in the sales because I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think we should have sold him this summer. I think it's a massive mistake. I'm ready to yell about it if you want. You well, well, let's let's just do the other incomings first. So let's let's move off of Havertz <laughs> and we'll we'll get onto we'll get onto Raya real quick. Um, I think Raya yeah. becomes the number one very very shortly. I don't think Ramsdale's looked particularly good so far this season. I don't know why he hasn't looked good this season. I think the last couple of games in particular, United and Fulham, I think he's looked shaky with a ball at his feet, which he never did before. I don't know if it's the pressure of Raya being there or what. but or, And I don't know if it's that he's being told to go longer a lot more, but he just seems to be getting rid of the ball long a lot quickly or just be too hesitant on the ball. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I think I think it's both a combination of of Raya being there and then um, and then um, the the significant amount of expectation that's on the team this year. Um, we were we were never supposed to be title contenders last year. I mean, and and, and if you called it, you know, I mean, good for you. But I mean, I never expected that. And we ended up being in first place for most of the season, blew it at the end. But there's an expectation this year now that is, I'm sure, weighing on a lot of these players. And I think it's it, it's most evident in Ramsdale than anybody else. Maybe Saka as well. I've, I, I feel like I, I see it in Saka as well. But uh, Ramsdale especially. I do agree with you. I think Raya is going to eventually replace him in the league. I don't know how far that's going to go, if it's going to go league and Champions League, and Ramsdale's just a you know a, a, cup, a domestic cup keeper at that point. I don't think it's going to get that bad for him. But I think, I think Raya's up for a start, maybe right after this international break. 
I don't think it's long coming. And, and, and let's be fair, if, if you know, the gains on all this stuff is going to be marginal, right? But these small gains make a really, really big difference to the team overall. So I, I get why they spent all the money on Raya. And, and by doing that, I think it, you, you are, you're absolutely right. I looked at it first off and I'm like, oh, well, it's a, it's a loan. So that's good for Ramsdale. I'm not sure that's the case. I, I don't think this is really a loan. I think it's a loan on paper. But yeah, it's permanent. It's it really is a per it's thirty million permanent transfer. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. This was just done for like FFP reasoning for both clubs. I think, um, yeah, I I, I think he's Raya is going to be the new number one eventually. Yeah, De- Declan Rice, um, obviously a uh, record signing, one hundred five million. I don't mean there's there's really much to to add on this, right? I mean he's been fantastic from the start. I think you're already seeing his game grow. Uh, right in front of your eyes, it's the best 105 million that anyone's ever spent. Um, it sounds mad to say 105 million's a bargain, but when you look at what Caicedo and players like that have gone for, Rice's head and shoulders above them players, we basically stole him. Mate, I am totally comfortable with the 105 million we spent on Declan Rice. I think it's, um, we talked about it on this pod. He was the, um, no chance transfer target, right? Like, I mean, he was going to succeed no matter what, and he's doing that. He's adding some leadership characteristics, you know, all the stuff that, like, Jaka had 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 done on field, at least. We don't get to see off field. And, um, no, I think this transfer has been nothing but a success, and I have no problem with the $105 million spent. And Timber... It's just unfortunate that he got injured. Nothing anyone can do about that. He was looking absolutely fantastic. I think he would already be the first choice right back with Zinchenko back in at left back if it was uh, if he was fit at this point. I think long term he's going to be a huge success. I have no doubt about it. Providing he comes back from that injury without any long term problems, which you know these days you should be able to come back from that. I, I think it's it's you know it's one obviously that we're going to have to kick the can down the road on judging for another year, but in my mind, I, I just think that's a great signing. I'm a bit heartbroken on this one because he was. I think me and Paz both called him to be like uh, the you know when we did our player preview, uh, we called him to be like the 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 signing of the season basically, and. Um, this injury is just such unfortunate timing. And uh, I think he did really good in preseason. He's versatile. He's smart, but he's still young to improve. It's just, I mean, it's just such bad timing. And I, uh, you know, it, it, it does, it does make me question our, uh, our defensive depth now, because I think he was, he was such a plug and play player that now I, I worry that whatever we do is going to drastically change the way we play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what more can you say? That's that's kind of all there really, really is on it. It was just unfortunate, such bad timing, because I, I, I think he would have just been such a valuable player for us this year. So, all right, let's get on to the outs then. Um, so, the players that went, we have following Balogun on 35 plus 5 with a 17.5% sell on fee. Um, Granite Xhaka left for around about 20 million. Matt Turner for 7 plus 3. 
Pablo Marie for six in a deal that was actually done last year before he went on loan. It just become permanent when his club Monza, is it, stayed up. Austin yeah. trustee to Sheffield United for five million. Holding to Luton for one million plus another three um, if targets are hit. Then the loan deals, Tierney, Tavares, Sambi, Marquinhos and Runison all out on loan. We know we got a one and a half million loan fee for Tierney. No options in that. We know there was a three million loan fee for Tavares with, uh, I believe, a 10 million option to buy at the end of the season, which I think there is a chance that they actually, if they stay up, I think they probably do um, pull the trigger on that. I think that might be a little bit like us with Raya too. There could be a little bit yeah. of FFP there because Forrest have bought another 107 players this summer. Yeah. Um, Sambi, you know, we just got a, got a hope that he that he performs a little bit and we can we can move him on next summer. Uh, Marquinhos and Runison, whatever. Um, Ashley Maitland-Niles went on a free. And Pepe yesterday moved to Trabzon Spore. I've been hearing a lot of conflicting things on this and nobody that I trust has said anything on it. So I've heard that we got a 3 million fee. I've heard that it was a free transfer and I've heard that we cancelled his contract, paid him off and then he went there. I guess that will probably come out over the next few weeks. But so far, I've heard all three rumours and none of them from anybody I trust. I haven't heard anything from Ornstein. I haven't heard anything from Charles Watts. I haven't heard anything on the fee from anybody that I would trust. So let's let's look at these outs that actually went, um, Juz. I know a lot of people were upset at the price for Balogun, but I think that's a pretty good price considering where he went to. We didn't sell him to Chelsea or Man United or Man City. Them Those clubs just... I don't know if Chelsea ever tabled a bid. I'm going to guess they didn't. Um, I just think that that's, you know, that's about as good a price as you could expect. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely... I, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Gav. We haven't talked about this previously, but I, I would take a, a, a lower fee to sell him abroad than to I wouldn't. sell him. I wouldn't because I don't think he's that good is my honest opinion. So if Chelsea were offering 45 million instead of 35 million, I would have taken the money from Chelsea and let him go look like Nico Jackson there. But if he looks great, we have 17.5% selling clause. If he turns into, because we all know what the striker market looks like in two, three years in Monaco. He's going to end up at Chelsea anyway if he ends up good. All right, Gav, just, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, don't don't you think though? I mean, if he ends up good at yeah. Monaco, it, it's it's almost certain that he ends up back in the Premier League one way or another. I mean, probably, but then at that point, Monaco will be getting a hundred million from Chelsea, and then we'll be getting seventeen point five million from that. Okay, so I don't think we would, right? And this is this is why because I think these sell-on fees are usually on the profit. So we wouldn't get 17.5% of 100 million. We'd get 17.5% of 60 million. So we'd be more likely to receive kind of half of that-ish. Yeah, but is our add-ons included in that? Or if is it they are, if they are I mean, exercised, and if he turns out being good, then the add-ons are going to be exercised. I like the deal we did. I do. I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, we held on to him. I mean... When did he go to Monaco? It was like a day before deadline day. Yeah. Nobody else was 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 coming in with legitimate offers. 
We no, got... no, I, I'm, I 100% agree with you. I don't think the offers were there to go anywhere else. I'm just saying that had the offer have been there personally, I would take the extra money and sell him to the Premier League. I wouldn't have had any qualms about that whatsoever. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think the offers were there. I think Monaco was the offer on the table and that was it. Yeah, and sorry, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I, I just, um, me personally, I would have sold him in the Premier League, but not to Chelsea. I mean, just personally, you know, fuck Chelsea. Yeah, I get that. And I wouldn't be buying anyone from Chelsea either, I I, I have to say. But I, I just, you know, I think it's about time that we started selling Chelsea players we don't want rather than us buying players they don't want. Yeah, and that, that that's a very good point. Um, I'm not convinced we didn't want Balogun. I think there was um, a lot at play here. I think if he would have been willing to stay as a second choice we probably would have kept him. I get that. But look at the work that Arteta put in to convince Xhaka to stay when he first got here, right? Now, they went on that US tour, and whether he was carrying a knock or not, he was training away from the group. There was no effort made to integrate him into this squad. Now, could it be that they were just resigned to the fact that he was going? Yeah, possibly, maybe. But to me, that says more, knowing how we know Mikel Arteta, that says more to me that Arteta really just didn't fancy him and thinks Eddie's a better player. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. It could also be he was the only player we expected to get, you know, a decent transfer fee from, or it could be that he was actually carrying an injury. You know, it's it's really hard for us to say. Yeah, of course, we're not inside, so we don't know that. But um, the next deal, Granite Xhaka, 20 million. I think we sold a 50 million player for half price. Um, I also think we sold our best left-sided eight, even with the way this team is constructed now. I think Grant Shack is a better player than Kai Havertz. Shoot me, I don't care. Um, I think this is a really poor deal on the face of it, but I think for Granite Xhaka wanting to go um, for everything he's done and that, I'm okay with it, even if I'm not exactly doing cartwheels about it. Yeah, I definitely think this was a case of, um, excuse me, of doing a favor for the player. Um, He'd been so loyal for so long. He wanted to leave previously two years prior when when Mikel Arteta joined. Um, Yeah, I I don't have any problem with this deal. It's more money than I thought we were going to end up getting because I think everybody knew he was pretty much ready to move on. Um, it's a weird one though isn't it Gaff because you know on face value well you actually probably would disagree with me on this but on face value I don't think Jack is worth that much but to Arsenal he's worth a lot I mean he's one of our most important players um Ben yeah, Hare, I would disagree Hare. with that, but then I've got a higher opinion of Xhaka than most people. I think he's an yeah. absolutely fantastic footballer. Um, I think most sides in the world would be improved with Granite Xhaka being put into him. I think he's got, with the way his fitness is and the way he looks after himself, I think he's got four more years of playing at the very, very top level. Um, but I'm going to contradict myself because after we've gone through these, I'm going to tell you what I think about what we've done with people like Emil Smith-Rowe and why I think there's a mistake is selling too late. So, 
you know, which way do you go on it? I just think we've kind of with Xhaka, I think we've we've let him go to as a, you know to acquiesce to his own demands, which is fine. But I think we've also done it for half price. And that is kind of the complete opposite of the way I think you should do it. I, you know, Wenger always used to sell players one year too early, um, but we used to get top dollar for them. Whereas I think what we've done here with Shaka is we've sold him too early and we've sold him at a discount. Wait, he, he's not a 40 million player at his age. and I, I, I completely disagree. I'm just watching people like James Ward-Prowse go for 30 million quid. So I completely disagree. I think he's not a 40 million player in 2012, I think he's absolutely a 40 million player in 2023. Looking at these transfer fees, I mean, Lavia went for Lavia went for what 50 million. He's probably he's probably going to play 10 Premier League games for Chelsea before he goes on loan to Lovren, and we never see him again. It's about the you know the the chance that they get better. I mean, honestly, I would have traded. No, I'm not going to say that. I don't. I don't want to fight, Gav. I don't want to fight. <laughs> but I don't think that he was worth that much. I mean, 30 million peak is what I'd give Jaka as a as a 30 year old, one year left on his contract. Come on, mate. He had an option for a second one, so really he had two years. This is, and we're going to get into this with Rob Holding as well because I think the Rob Holding sale is absolutely egregious. I think it's criminal. The Rob Holding sale. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, okay, move on from that one. Matt Turner, seven plus three, good deal. Let us bring Raya in, gets him a chance to play, although they've just brought in another goalkeeper, so he might find himself on the bench again, but not our problem. Um, good, Sal? Yeah, I'm good with this one. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, no problem. Um, I think Turner was a, a solid deputy, made me nervous a few times, but overall he he tended to improve after the beginning. Um I like the amount of money. It's it, it was great. We he got a little um uh I don't know what what would you call it like Premier League buzz for being here that's gonna help his career. I'm 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 good with it. I think overall it, it it's it works for all parties, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um Pablo Marie, six million, whatever deal was done last year. He was he should never have been bought in the first place. Um it was a disaster of a signing. Just go away. Uh, yeah, I think we ended up actually profiting on this one, even if it's less than a million, because the loan fees we got on top of uh, his sell. Um, I think we bought him for what eight million, right? Uh, I, I was, don't even. I don't remember whatever it was. It was that amount too much. <laughs> Anyways, this one's fine. I'm fine with the player moving on. Um, you know, I I don't really have a pro. I I I understand the tough spot Mikel and Edu were in the the January we bought them. It's it's fine. I'm happy to see the back of them after that Chelsea game. And yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, trusty five minutes Sheffield United, another one that's absolutely fine. Um, um, yeah. I mean it's a bit lower than I than I thought it would than I thought it would be, but it, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so Good. now, Rob Holding, one plus three. I think this sow is an absolute disgrace. He's a 27-year-old English defender. He is better than Davinson Sanchez, who Spurs just got 13 million quid for. Um, and, and, and both things can be true here. First off, I think he should have been sold the year after we bought him because he was never good enough for Arsenal. And also, he's a good lower Premier League defender that you should be recouping a decent fee on. 
one plus three is is absolutely ludicrous. I do not understand it. I don't understand how you aren't able to get at least ten million from him out of a side out of any any English Premier League team. Really, I I do not understand this deal. I think it's an awful awful deal. <clears throat> I'm shocked about this one as well. To be honest, um, I do wonder if. Um, you know, this was kind of another thing for the benefit of the player. Like we did rob a favor, but at the same time, I am shocked that more clubs weren't in for him. I was chatting with my, um, I'm in a group chat with a, a Spurs supporter and a Liverpool supporter. Uh, and it, it just came to my knowledge that Rob Holding is actually kind of hated in the league. And I had, I had no idea. I was like, how could anybody hate him? Um, but it, it's just really interesting, I think, to think about uh, how we think about a player versus how, you know, other clubs think about a player. But no matter what, I think this fee is criminal. Um, he, he He's good enough to play for several Premier League clubs, just not a possession-based one. And I, I, I'm not happy about this at all. Yeah, I would agree. The loans, I think the loans are just the loans, right? We were surprised that we weren't able to get Tierney out. Um, on a full-time basis, I think there is a huge gap between what Arsenal fans think Kieran Tierney is and what Kieran Tierney is. I mean, or that, what Arsenal know. fans think and what Gavin thinks Kieran Tierney is. Yeah, I mean, it, but I mean, it was showed by the fact there was no market for him, right? I mean, and there is a little bit of a reasoning behind it. You are right; the Premier League is skewing towards buying younger players. That's for sure. Um, I, I don't buy that everyone's playing with an inverted fullback. I think I think maybe maybe thirty percent of clubs are trying to do it, but that's not all from the left. It's from the right as well. Um, Newcastle certainly aren't playing with Dan Byrne moving into midfield like Zinchenko, so I don't buy any of that stuff at all. Um, I do think we should have been able to sell him and Tavares. Tavares was a little bit different case because we had agreed a fee with Nottingham Forest, and then he didn't agree personal terms, which was a disappointment. And the rest of them, they kind of just are what they are. Pepe, I think we all expected Pepe's contract to be cancelled. If it turns out it's not, I think that's a, that's a win. Um, there's two players that I want to bring up here um, that change the that change what I grade this window as. Right, um, first off, this window is no better than a D for selling players. I think from my point of view, where would you give it from the business has actually been done? Just yeah, I'd probably agree. Uh, a D. Uh, we didn't get prices for anybody. I thought we would even even Balogun. The deal I'm I'm mostly happy with that brought in the most money. I still thought we'd have gotten at least forty guaranteed. Um, so yeah, D. And I, I think in these days of of clubs actually trying to adhere by FFP, it becomes more important that you do get decent fees for your players. So the two players I want to bring up are Emil Smith Rowe and Thomas Partey both of who I think should have been sold this summer. And I think we're going to pay the price for selling neither of them. I think Thomas Partey is going to be basically worthless next summer. Um, He'll have one year left on his deal. He's on huge wages. He's already injured again. We'd gone out and replaced him at the start of the summer with Declan Rice. And then it kind of seems to me we almost bottled getting rid of him, um, which, which should have been done. How do you feel on how do you feel about that with Partey? Um, there was interest in him. There was interest in him from a few places. I think it's one that had we pushed, we could have probably pushed up towards thirty or forty million, and I think we should have done that. And I think he should have gone. 
This one's a bit of a tough one for me. Party. I mean, um, I would have gladly accepted the fee. You know, he, you know, he's had injury issues since the beginning. Um, yeah, and he's injured right now. And, and he's going to the African Cup of Nations in January. So he's going to miss a month, around about a month now, then another month in January. You're already taking two months out of the season without whatever other injuries he picks up. If kind of qualify, which... I think they qualified yesterday, I believe. Oh, did they? Someone oh, texted I... me and okay. said that, they, that they'd, they'd qualified yesterday, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, um, I, I do think that there would have been a lot of churn in midfield had we let him go. Um, and I, I'm glad he's kind of there to oversee this. I From the don't... treatment table, just looking out the window at everyone playing while he sits there with an ice pack on his legs. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Availability is a big issue with party, but when he is fit, he can be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. And this is why I say I'm torn because. Rice looked like he was struggling a little bit in preseason in that lone six. And I, I, I just I, I I think there's a level of comfort there for having party being able to fill in at six and moving Declan to the eight or party at the eight or party at right back. I know he's only gonna give us what twenty-three games a season or so, twenty-five. Um but I do think there's a level of comfort there. And if, if if we could have gotten like Lavia, I would have been fine to let him go. But I think overall, I'm, I am I know he's going to be worthless. I, I do. This isn't really a question of transfer fee. I mean, next season, next summer, he he's worthless. But I think there's going to be quite a bit of benefit to keeping him this year. I just don't think it was necessary. With, with Rice, Jorginho, and even at a push, the ghost of Mohamed El Nenny. I, I just don't think it was. I don't think it was necessary to keep him, and I think it was a mistake. And I think the next player, um, we're, we're pushed for time, so I want to push this on because I know you're going to want to say on this. The next one is Emil Smith Rowe. I don't see him playing any real part at all this season. I think he's going to sit on the bench and not be used. I think we're going to get to the end of the season. It's going to be another player that we've destroyed their transfer value by making it very clear we don't want. And I think he's going to go, and my bet with you now is that we get less than 20 million for him next summer. That is my feeling. I think we should have sold him this summer. I think we still could have got 30 million-ish for him this summer. I don't think we'll get that next summer. I just think this is a monumental error for a player that Mikel Arteta clearly does not want to use. Gav, this one's an emotional one for me. I love Emil Smith-Rowe. He's probably my favorite current player. That being said, trying to take emotion out of it. If Mikel's not going to play him, we should have sold him this summer. I agree. Um, I still think there's more talent in there than there is in Kai Havertz, than there is in Trossard. But again, I mean, I'm I'm biased. You know, um, I, I hate that this situation is going on. I think it's ridiculous. We shouldn't have bought Kai, in my opinion. But I agree with you. Uh, if Mikel's not going to play him and it doesn't look like he is, he hasn't got a single minute over four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we should have sold him. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to Probably. point out here as well for everybody saying, well, when we come back, there's Champions League games to play in that. 
Man, if you think Mikel is going to suddenly start making five changes between Champions League games and league games, then I don't know what you've been watching for the last three or four years. The team is not going to change. There may be one or two changes. It will be the one or two changes that you already know about. You might see Tommy Asu come in for White every now and again. You might see Trossard come in for Martinelli or for Jesus every now and again. You might see Nketiah get in the odd game. That is it. You are not going to see us go into a league game with five changes. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I think the people like myself that are still holding on to the fact that you know, Smithrow could become a mainstay are probably a bit delusional. And yes, I'm including myself. It, it just, you know, we've just got three years now of watching Arteta work. We know that he doesn't like to make subs, right? He'll make his first subs on 74 minutes and then he'll make the rest of them in the 92nd and 93rd minute to waste time. He doesn't like making subs. He doesn't like change. Um, I think he feels that the players that he trusts can basically change formation when he screams at them too. So I just, I, I just don't see this. I, I, I he's not going to rotate like that. He's not what he is. He's not Pep Guardiola um, changing half of his team. Damn it, Gav. Emil Smith-Rowe saved his job. Yeah. I mean, and he stinks as he gets to sit and watch every game from a comfy seat in the dugout. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You're absolutely right about Arteta, though. I mean, he's not going to do wholesale changes. I actually will be curious to see what he does in Champions League because, you know, the, the Europa is different, right? Like, sure, he doesn't have a great record in Europa, but Europa is different. It's a, it's a B competition. Champions League, though, is different. And I am going to be curious to see how much he does kind of tinker with that lineup and the subs and stuff. But my my heart and my head both tells me um, it's not going to be a lot. No, I think you're just going to see 14, 14 players in the same 14. rotation. And I think you're going to see eight of these players play 60 games if they can hold up for it. And he's going to make changes when they're enforced, which is pretty much what he's already doing. He just makes changes when he has to make them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't argue. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, so so failing to sell those two players when we could, we obviously are going to have to wait and see what happens next summer. But I think that downgrades it from a D to an F to me. I think this is another really poor selling window. Selling window, yes, I, I, I agree. But that's why I want to take them as two separate parts because I think they're two different windows. I've got no problem with the, with the buy-in, but the selling, I think, is poor. So we have an A and an F. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I think if you asked Mikel or Edu, they'd probably say the same. Yeah. All right, well, we'll take a break there. We'll come back in the second half, and we're going to preview the Champions League and preview the group. So, um, Jazz, I will see you on the other side, everybody. Look forward to speaking with you then. Sounds good. Hey, guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Hello, welcome.
welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Just Champions League back in after, what, seven years out of it. Um, be good to hear the music at the carpet again. Get rid of that awful, awful Europa League follow on Twitter. I, I enjoyed the day that I clicked on follow on that. Um, sorry, guys. Hope I don't see you again for an awful long time. Um, so the draw was last week. We got Sevilla, PSV and Lons. Um, ironically, Sevilla came out of pot one and are possibly the weakest team in this group. They do have a, a European pedigree, obviously. They've won the Europa League 117 times. So they they have a lot of uh, a lot of pedigree in Europe, but just not in this competition. You know, I, I think they they basically I think they've been in it eight times and never made it to the quarters or something like that. But in the Champions League, they're 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 strong contenders. What did you think when this um, when this group came out of the pot, Juz? Um, I did have someone text me and say your group looks like a uh, Europa League group that got drunk and wandered into the wrong competition. Yeah, it, it kind of feels that way, to be honest. I mean, these are all pretty common Europa League teams. I think even 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 Lons is not normally in Europa League. Um, I like the group. I think it's a pretty good group. It favors us. Um, I think uh, all three seem to be in, or well, two of the three seem to be in pretty poor form. But I'm looking at these uh, these PSV results. They are scoring some crazy goals. I mean, they're putting like four and five past almost every uh, every competition they've had. And they're uh, um, they like I think they're the toughest team in the group. For they sure. will be, and yeah. they're spreading the goals around too. I mean, I, I think yep. their top scorers. I think they've scored nine league goals in three games. And I think um, is it Luke De Jong who's yeah. their centre forward, ninety seven year old Luke De Jong. He's, yep. I think he's got a couple and like that is their, that, that's their top scorer. So they're spreading the goals around. Um, Irving Lozano, the, the Mexican wingers there, he's been in good form so far this season. Um, you agree with me? You think this is, this is probably the toughest team in the group. They're also first up. We play them at home um, uh, next week or the week after next. I think this will be the toughest group. Yeah or the toughest game in the group, excuse me. Um, they've got some really good players. You know, when we initially drew, I was like, well, they've lost uh, Chavi Simons. And, um, you, you know, I, I think they'll probably be kind of a pushover. But after doing a little more research before this pod, I'm like, wow, this actually, I mean, they're very dangerous and they score a lot. And, you know, I mean, I think this will be a, a, an especially special uh, game for Americans because there's there's a there's a few Americans there as well. Serginho Dest. I was going to say, I um, think Dest went there. Yep, Ma, uh, Malik Tillman, who hasn't really broken into the first team, but he's somebody that a lot of Americans have had eyes on for a while. Um, is there? He scored in their last game against uh, Volvic. So um, I, I I do though uh, to answer your question. Sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. Uh, I think this will be the toughest game. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you there. The 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 away game especially is uh, is going to yep. be a tough one there. Yep. Um, Lons, they're uh, second Lons. from bottom in league. Ugh. They've got one point from four games. There is a little bit of a caveat here in that they've played PSG and Monaco away. Um, yeah. 
they have a pretty highly rated centre forward in Wahi, who was who was linked strongly with a lot of top Premier League teams. Um, well, I say top top, you know, mid table, mid to upper mid table Premier League teams in the summer. Um, I mean, they're a little bit of an unknown. We played them back in Jesus. When was it? Ninety eight, I guess, maybe two thousand. They had Tony Varai up front. They actually won. That was in the Leon era, and I think they actually won the title one year with with Tony Varai up front. I remember seeing them. Um, I remember going to Wembley. We played them at Wembley once. Probably lost because it was at Wembley, um, and back then we used to lose at Wembley. Um, but. Yeah, they're, they're more baby. No, not anymore. But they've been out <laughs> of it for a long time, and they have a pretty ugly looking kit. Um, other than that, I'm not really sure what else to say about them. I think um, I I was just listening to uh, Handbreak Off, and Amy Lawrence was recalling our first game ever in the Champions League was long away. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and, right. Uh, that was uh, ninety ninety eight. Yeah, so that that that's really cool, and I, I think it's um it it's very appropriate, you know, to come back in after seven years and and play them. I personally don't know much about their their history or anything. I'm looking at the results though, and damn, could you have a harder start to the season? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's what I'm yeah. saying. They've picked up one point from four, but th- there is yeah. a caveat there in that they've they've basically played the best teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's it's easy for us to judge them by results or their position in the table. I I expect this one could be pretty tough, especially away. Uh, you know, French support can be hit or miss, but when they hit, they're crazy. You know, just look at uh, Marseille. And yeah. the other team in the group, um, the team drawing out the top the top part uh, because they won the Europa League is Sevilla. Um, they are rock bottom of the league in Spain. They've had three defeats from three. They've conceded eight goals in those three games. Sergio Ramos has just signed back there. They were his first club and he's he's gone back there. Apparently, he's taken a massive pay reduction to, to go back there. Um, obviously, he's a massive cunt. Eric Lamella is there. He's obviously a massive cunt. So there's a strong chance that Sevilla are just a team full of cunts. I got to be honest, Gavin, you kind of already alluded to this, um, but... Uh, despite the fact they came from pot one, I think this is going to be maybe our easiest game. They look in complete disarray. This the the fifty eight year old Sergio Ramos added to the roster doesn't make me feel any differently about it. Um, even though I think it's a sweet story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more worried about Law and PSV at this point. And I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, there's there's a thing to be said, right? Winning knockout competitions, and we know this all too well, right? Because we went on a string of winning FA Cups, and in reality, that doesn't mean you're a good team. We we were getting no no better really as a team, but we were just winning seven games to win a to win a knockout competition. I think it's a very different a very different thing. So, you know, you can't Sevilla won the won the Europa League. Yeah, fair enough, but. I mean, I don't know how big an achievement that really is. Well, we've never done it. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I know exactly w- what you're talking about. Um... You get a run of luck, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, like look at Man United winning the winning the Carlin Cup, whatever it is now, last year. I, I don't think they left Manchester apart from to play like second division teams. So it, it, a lot of it is luck of the draw with the Cup. And, we, and we've got it here too. And we're going to push into this in a minute as well. 
the the draw makes a huge huge difference oh yeah mate i mean we got really really lucky with our draw i think um three solid clubs but all clubs that we should be able to uh overcome especially over two legs um I think it's one of the best draws we could have gotten, to be honest. And um, and 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 then keep in mind these are all close. We're going to go to France, we're going to go to Netherlands, and we're going to go to Spain. All countries right across, you know, the channel. Is yeah, it the I, channel I, between? England I do agree. And- I do agree with that. The travel for this is is definitely definitely nice. I mean, when you consider you could have got someone like Shakhtar, yeah. um, even a Galatasaray. You know, the the travel for this, the places we're going to are definitely a lot better. It, it just, you know, this group, though, it just has a feeling to me that it's going to be a slog. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just going to be three teams that are going to just dig in and they're going to make it awkward. And I just, I don't know, there's part of me that kind of wishes we'd have got Bayern Munich and then two crap teams like, I don't know, Celtic and whoever the crap team was in, in pot four. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just... Uh, First off, it doesn't feel to me like a Champions League group. No disrespect to Celtic fans. Oh, absolute disrespect to Celtic <laughs> fans. I cannot stand Celtic, and they're useless. Um, so, yeah, the most disrespect to Celtic fans. But <laughs> but, but it's just, you know, it, I just, it feels like this group is just going to be a slog. There's no, there's no glamour tie. There's no, there's no Barcelona or AC Milan coming to the carpet. And, you know, I, I think AC Milan were in pot three, I believe, weren't they? Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it could definitely have been a worse draw. A hundred percent, it could have been a worse draw. But I do, I just look at it and I've got a feeling of like, oh, do you know what I mean? League oh. <laughs> Yeah, but not as exciting <laughs> as League oh. More like, oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know exactly what you mean. It's not the most glamorous draw, for sure. Um, but I think the PSV tie could, ties could be very interesting. Um, they've been attacking, going for goals. Uh, they don't have Ruud van Nistelrooy when we played them last year. Last year? Was it last year? Yeah, it was, right? I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. The, the, I, I told you, I have completely wiped any thoughts of the Europa League from my... You know that bit in Men in Black? Where, <laughs> where where Will Smith comes out with that shiny thing and yeah, the neuralizer. You forget it. Yeah, neuralized you. But... Yeah, I have basically done that for the Europa League. I don't even know we were in it. Oh, okay. Well, I think we played them last year. It could have been the year before. Uh, let me know if I'm wrong. But um, I think they're going to be an exciting tie. I think they're 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 throwing men forward. Um, they're scoring tons of goals. Uh, it's not glamorous, but I also remember, was it uh, 05, 06? No, 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 obviously not. 06, 07 when they knocked us out. Yeah, with uh, who was it who shoved someone over in the corner to give that stupid free kick away? I can't even remember now who it was. Yeah, I can. Um, but yeah, the, it was the, the, that was when they had Jorelio Gomez in goal. Yep. And so we... Had- Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that was an awful, awful night. So we have some some European uh, history and in, 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 uh, pedigree. Does that word work here? I don't know. But we have history, and uh, I think it'll be a nice tie. Um, Eindhoven's a nice city. Uh, you know, it'll be, uh, you, you know, a, a good visit, I think. So 
Yeah, I think, I think they're fun away trips for everybody, right? I mean, like you said, they're close. They're, they're decent cities to, to go to. So I think the uh, I think the lads that go away in Europe will will probably be reasonably happy with, with this draw. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, all the locations. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to, you know, northern France, uh, Holland, or, you know, Spain, Sevilla? I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, the, the draw is really nice for, for fans that are willing to travel away. And again, close for the team. Yeah, so win-win. Yeah. How important do you think winning the group is? Because I, I think it's massive finishing first over second. Yeah, I think it's massive too. We have to. We have to win this group, I think. Um, we, we've been talking that this is a, a Europa League group. Um we've got to win this and set ourselves up best. I, I, I'm not expecting us to challenge for the Champions League this year, but I'd love to get quarter or semis. Uh, I, I'd be happy with quarters, you know, uh, first year back after seven years. But I, I think with the group we got, we've got to be first in order to avoid. Honestly, though, Gav, if we're being honest, hold on. Let me, let me just break. I want Barca. I, I want Barcelona. I hope we play them in. Well, we can we can we can smash them later on in the competition. I just I think it won't make it. You know, there's a big T. There's a big difference between seven or the seven or eight really good teams in this competition and the rest. I think there's quite a big difference between the best teams and the rest. I think we have to accept that we're one of the best teams in it at this point. And I wouldn't be happy with quarterfinals. I do think we should be contending for it. I think Man City proved last year they were the best team in it. And I think we ran Man City super close over 38 games. So I think if you feel that you can run Man City close, I don't see why you would be scared of any of these other teams. I mean, Real Madrid have got a European Cup hoodoo that I've I've never seen. They can have, they can have a terrible team and somehow still win the Champions League. Um, you know, the the year before last when they won it, they should have been pounded in every single round. PSG should have smashed them. Man City should have smashed them. Chelsea should have smashed them. And, and I mean, not just not just looking at it on paper. I mean, they literally, against Chelsea, they could have been 4-0 down in half an hour. And Man City was no different. And But, but Real Madrid have just got something in this in this competition. Um, Man City, obviously, we've already said, you know, they're obviously a, a really good team. Barcelona, I don't think they're what they were, but you can't, you can't, you know, count them out. And Bayern Munich are obviously going to be a strong team, but beyond, but we're in that, we're in that, that discussion. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we're full favourites. I, I don't think that we can be going into this game. Well, if we get to the quarterfinal, that'll be nice. I just don't think that's the attitude. I think we need to be going in this competition, saying, you know what, we can run Man City close. We've just taken United apart, who are who are in this competition. I think we can win it. Here's my thought on that. I think that, and we've kind of already discussed that in this episode, I think we have a manager that only trusts about 14 players in his squad, right? We've said that. And I think that's going to continue into the Champions League. So with it being such a small pool of players to pull from that he's actually going to trust and not throw on in like the 92nd minute, which is actually, you know, they still get 10 minutes, I guess this season since uh, all the added time spent like 11 minutes plus, but 
I just don't think we can stretch these players' legs to compete for a title challenge with City and a Champions League challenge with City. And that's kind of what makes me land. You know, if we were going to start starting players like Vieira, Smith Rowe, um, uh, um, Wow, I totally forgot his name. Uh, Evior, the left back, the Polish Evior, left back. Trossard. Evior. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I agree with you that I don't think we can do both, right? I don't think we're going to be, I don't think we're going to be winning a double. Um, I think something is, something has got to, got to give because it's just too many, it's just too many games. Yeah. Um, and I do think a lot of it is going to come down to interest. You know, we've already got Partey out. We've already got, Timber out long term. Um, we've had Jesus already miss a few games. We started the season without Zinchenko. You know, it is going to come down to a bit of luck with injuries, but it always does. Man City were incredibly fortunate with injuries last year. Like they just got none. And and every team has got single points of failure, right? Every team has yeah, got players that they can't replace. If you take Haaland or Rodri out of that Man City team, it is a very, very different team. I do feel a little bit like we have more of them because I think you can say that about Zinchenko. I think you can say that about Declan Rice if Part A isn't there. I think if Part A's fit, you can maybe get away with that. I think you can say that about Bakayo Saka. I think you can say that about Gabriel Jesus. I think you can get by with Eddie up top um, in a lot of games. I think there's also a lot of games you cannot get by with with Eddie up top. Yeah, I I agree completely. Um, I just want to look here real quick. Give me one second. So we're we're fifth in the league right now, despite um, not having Jesus and Zinchenko, who were massive players for us last season. But we've also um, had a very very nice start fixture wise. Like like that, I mean, fair. really, yeah, that's fair. That's really, fair. Uh, really, we're two points behind where we should be. Um, we're yep. two points behind where we were if you just took these games from last year and transposed the results. So, uh, you know, I think we are two points behind. I'm not unduly worried about that at this at this stage because I think we all thought that we weren't going to exactly hit the ground running. There's been a little change of system. Obviously, like you said, we had the injuries as well. So I don't think this is a terrible start, but I do think we're two points behind where we should be. Yeah, it was Fulham, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... And it, it, it yeah, should. And we'd been. won that game too. That's the annoying. I don't want to. I don't yeah, want to yeah. re- rehash yeah, yeah. all that stuff. But but we'd won that game too, which was which was quite annoying. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still uh, pretty impressed, and I'm 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 honestly I'm thankful for the easy start, considering um, you know the amount of players we changed out. I, I know since Timber's injury, it's not that much, but since we continue to persist with Havertz, I'm glad that. Um, we've had some easier fixtures to kind of kind of bed him in, but I think uh, we've got Everton next and then PSV Everton away PSV next before the North London Derby. I think if we're not um, firing on all cylinders before the NLD, we've there's probably got to be some changes made. Yeah, I think I think we're we're playing into it though. I I don't think we've played particularly badly. I don't think we've been great, but I don't think we've played particularly badly so far. 
Um, I feel that yeah. first game against PSV, I, I quite like that as a first a first game at home as well. Though, don't don't you 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 get a chance to play possibly the best team other than us in the group. We get them at home. If you can start with a win there, um, that really does kickstart you. I mean, I always used to feel with these Champions League groups um, back in the day when it was you, you know you had better groups really because you had less teams in it. So you, you know you had you you basically had better groups. Um, and I always used to think if you could win three of your home games and get a draw away, you're going to go through. Um, I know obviously we're looking, you know, you want to be top. So it's probably going to take 12 to 14 points to finish top. But this is this is a chance for a really good start. No, I feel the same way. I'm actually super hyped that that's our, our first game PSV uh, at home. I think if we get three wins there, or three wins, three points there, we win the group. Um and does that does that mean um, that means we play PSV away last, right? That's that's kind of how it works. You they sat, you get the team home first and then away last, and then they sandwich the ones in the middle. So there's a good chance that by the time we go to PSV, we we could have, if not the group wrapped up, we certainly should only need a point there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we play PSV on December twelfth. Yeah. Um, as the last game, as the last game in the group. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and we'll, you know, I, I mean, that that'll be a tough game for us, I think. But by then, I hope we already have it wrapped up. Yeah, it, it would be nice if we could have it wrapped up, and then we could, you know, talk about how this rotation is going to work, and then Arteta can put the same eleven out, and then we can come back after um, and talk about how he should have rotated it because now we've got six injuries from that game. <laughs> Yeah, this is probably not going to be a game we see in Maneri or or, or Skelly uh, or Smithrow or Nelson. Um, it's going to be the same group of guys, even if we're leading by uh, six points at that point, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there there is that to it. But I, I, anyway, but I do think that that is, <laughs> I do think it's good to have these these games in in this order. Um, with the other groups, was there anything that that stuck out to you? I mean, the the Newcastle group was funny right like I, I i quite enjoyed seeing the uh seeing the newcastle group come out um i did too i mean they probably have the group of death wouldn't you say i mean it's oh, a pretty- absolutely 100 percent. it is it is it is the hardest group that they could possibly have got so i'm gonna i'm gonna look at it again real quick the, so just they, the they, they got general. psg they got milan and they got borussia dortmund yeah, I mean that that's pretty ridiculous, honestly. And then um who do we have? I mean, United's group's not easy. Well, yeah, they but United a- got that United got the the top heavy group, right? They got the group they're probably not gonna they're probably not gonna win. Um, but they're they're gonna go through from it. But I mean they've gotta travel to Denmark, they've gotta travel to Turkey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, it's it's it's, it's, it's yeah, definitely it, a it's definitely a, a, a tougher uh, a tougher group. Um, especially you know, considering Copenhagen on November eighth, that's going to be cold. Yep. Um, but it's but it, I think it's that it's one of them groups where Man United and Bayern are going to go through. Um, you know, and they get the glamour of the Bayern's high, but it, it does mean they're probably going to finish second. Um, probably, but I think yeah. they'll I think they'll they'll probably go through. Yeah, I think they probably will too. We'll we'll see. I mean, the club's in total disarray right now. To be fair. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love it if they went out. I would absolutely love it. But I, I just, I just feel like it's one of them groups. There's a couple of different types of groups, right, in the Champions League. You, you get that one, which is the top heavy. You get the two behemoths at the top, and then two kind of more also ranny type of teams that 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 never really get through the group stage. 
you get the groups that we've got, which is kind of like, you know, you've, you've got three teams that are pretty much on a level, really. Um, and like I said before, it's probably just going to be a bit of a slog. And then you get the group that Man City have got, which is just an absolute walkover. I mean, it was mad when that group was coming out. So they they got they got whatever Red Star Belgrade are calling themselves these days. Um, I know it's Provinius. Joe Cole. Yeah, yeah, Joe Cole. Did you see Joe Cole? He wasn't yeah. thinking about it. He, he pulled it out. He had a look at it and he went, uh, Red Star Belgrade. <laughs> So yeah, no, um, nothing yeah. against him for for doing that. I'd have done the same thing. Um, they got RB Leipzig and they got Young Boys. The only yeah. way Man City don't win six from six in this is if Pep does decide to rest everybody at some point because this is the third type of Champions League group and this is the this is the walkover group. Um, yeah, I I, I mean I, I think Leipzig could be tricky. Don't them. they sell all their best players every single year, though, and they've just done it again? And I don't think they were even particularly good last year, were they? Well, let's they, see. they definitely weren't in a title race because it was just buying them. Uh, it was just buying. Oh them yeah, they, they weren't in a title race, but they're, they're one of those clubs like Brighton who sell their best players every year, but then somehow get their replacements for like a million five, and they're better than Moises Caicedo somehow. Yeah, I mean, no, I guess um, they weren't too bad. They they finished with uh, they finished with sixty six points, which was only five off the off the top because it's only thirty four games in the in the Bundesliga. So important to remember that. Um, so sixty six points sounds like we'd go. Oh my god, you won't make top four in England with that. But I mean, it was it, it is in a 34, 34 game season. That's um, true. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, I think City got the easiest group. Um, but I'm curious to well, who's our third. Hmm? No, who's our fourth? It's what, what in 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 oh, the Man Newcastle. City? Never, never mind, never mind. In the Man City. Oh, oh, Where who's the, the fourth yeah. English team? You mean? Yeah, I didn't. Ex- yeah, for some reason, I I totally blinked on Newcastle. Yeah, um, I think the the groups for Newcastle and United will help us. Um, you know, probably guarantee top four because I mean they have pretty tough groups, but I think Cities is like you said. I mean, it's kind of a walkover group. So. Yeah, well, the, the Man United's one is 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 funny because uh, you know I've, I've already said there's there's like two behemoths and I, I do expect them to go through, but they can't slip up right because they can easily lose to Bayern twice, which means they cannot slip up against against Galatasaray really. So it puts a little bit of extra pressure, even though I think they'll they'll win those they'll win those other games. I think it puts a little bit more pressure on it because they've got absolutely no room for error in those games because you know that Bayern are going to be Bayern are going to be charging right up to the top. And and I mean, that's what we want, right? Like for a, for an opposing team. I mean, you want them to have to put out their best team over six games. Um, I mean, not that, I, I mean, I, I don't really feel particularly threatened from Man United, but, but this was, this was what I was going to say to you. I, I just, I don't, I think we, I think if we are, down there close to Man United, I think something's gone horribly wrong this season. I think there's there's a huge gap between us and Man United. And I, I just I, I don't see it. If we if we are around United, then this has been a bad season, I think. Because I I think Liverpool are better than United. I think Liverpool will be better than United this season. Um that fourth place, I, I think the top three is going to be us, Man City and Liverpool. You can pick your order. But I think that will be the top three, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. That fourth place, I think that fourth place is is wide open, wide open. I, do too. I mean, yeah. I'm not getting carried away because Spurs put five past 
relegation fodder. Um, but they've had they are playing time. better though. They had, are. Yeah, they, they are playing, yeah, playing, they are a lot playing better. better. I think, you know, with that fourth place being as open as it is, Newcastle have not had a very good start to the season. West Ham are obviously going to fall away. You can't. If you look at their results, they've been so freaky. So freaky. Um, yeah. So they'll, they'll fall away. What but, about Villa? Villa's been a bit of a surprise for me. Um, you know what? You know what, though? Unai Emery away. Yep. Look at their results. Unai Emery away. They got thumped at Newcastle. Where did they lose that last week away from home? Oh, I'm, I'm pulling them up right now. Um, they lost uh, to Liverpool last game. Okay, Liverpool. 3-0. They... So, Unai Emery away from home. We know what that's like. We've been yep. through that. I mean, you remember, was it at Villarreal? We had the season where he got to the semi-final of the Champions League, but they didn't win a single game away from away from home in the league as well yep. as in the Champions League. Like, like yep. this is this is away from home, Unai. So I don't think uh, Villa are going to be in contention for that because I just I, I don't think you can lose every away game <laughs> of being contention for the top four. Um, yeah, the stats uh, are the stats are pretty bad. Yeah, um, exactly. Seventeen versus nine shots. Uh, four versus three on target. That's not that bad. But possession, uh, sixty-four versus thirty-six. Yeah, I mean they yeah, they, they and are Liverpool's be, not not the the beast they were, you know. No, um, but that Villa are going to be, you know, exactly who we, who we think they're going to be. They're going to win some games at home and they're going to lose a lot of games away. And it's probably going to be enough to get them somewhere in the top eight. But I, I doubt it's going to be anywhere near the top four. Um, yeah, that's fair. Brighton have Brighton have started well. I mean, I I, yeah, I didn't think right. Brighton were going to have a, a particularly good season, but other than the other than the absolute smash and grab that West Ham did on them when I think they had eighty three percent possession or something like that. Um, other than that, Brighton have started well. I think they I think they look pretty good. Um, so yeah, that that fourth place I think is 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 wide open for that Champions League spot. But you you want to talk about uh, Chelsea for a second? I feel like that's the only club we haven't really talked about. Uh, so I'm I'm going to be honest. I haven't really seen them much this year so far. I've seen all uh, their games this year. They're a 12th place team that are playing like a 12th place team that are probably going to end up in 12. I, I just I just don't think they're very good. That 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 Nico Jackson that they've signed up front, yeah. he is. Awful, awful player. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see how they can continue with him for much longer. I know they've got 155 players to come back in, but I just, I, I don't think they're very good, really. Um, I don't think their goalkeeper that they've signed is is very good. I don't think their backline is very good. Um, all the, all the hype around Enzo, I don't get it. He's fine. I don't think he's a bad player. But I don't think he's some magical. Look, you know he's not a mythical beast because he was in the team all last season and they finished twelfth. Um, and he's in the team now, playing every minute. And where are they right now? Oh, twelfth. It's so crazy to me, Gav. And I, I mean, I know all the podcasts are, are harping on this, you know. But I, I feel like we just we have to say it again, right? They've spent over a billion pounds and i'm looking at the lineup right now they still have connor gallagher starting in central midfield look this is what i said to you guys when we were doing the season preview pod right what they've tried to do is they've tried to cut brighton out of the market right they've tried to sign these players before they went to brighton the problem is is that most of these players that brighton sign do not work but you don't hear about it right they're given and and some of them take time you are not going to be given the time at Chelsea that you are given at Brighton. So it's going to foul. It, it can't not foul. 
half of these players are going to be massive flops. Because they're Chelsea, they're overpaying for them in the first place. Because the same with us. Brighton knock on a door and ask for a player. It's a different price to Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, anyone else. Like like a big club knocking on the door and asking for a player. It's a different price. So Chelsea are paying top dollar for these players. Most of whom won't work out because that's how this works. You buy a load of players. Some will work, some won't. And when Brighton do this, they do it. And then they sell them on for a hundred million. If Chelsea get a good player, they ain't going to want to sell them on. So I just, I just think this this strategy is so flawed. There is a reason that we allow teams like Brighton to buy people like Moises Caicedo, and then we pay a ton of money for them. It's because the fifteen players that they missed on in between, we don't hear about. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and something a lot of people don't take into consideration. Um, and I agree with you 100%. I think that's what Chelsea is trying to do is is, is cut, you know, clubs like Brighton out. Um, yeah, I think but... he's he's kind of thinking. And, and the thing is, I think they've got incredibly lucky this summer, right? We massively overpaid for Kai Havertz. Man United massively overpaid for Mason Mann. And Newcastle massively overpaid for Lewis Hall. And I do not understand why we all keep bailing them out. I just don't get it. I don't get why clubs don't just look at each other and say, you know what, just... Just leave them alone. Just don't yeah, do let them. Let them sink. Yeah, yeah, let them sink. But we don't. We keep overpaying for these players. And then they had the Saudi thing where, I don't know, three or four players went to Saudi for inflated fees. And that's really what's kept them alive. And that's what's, that's what saved them. I don't get how they keep getting people to overpay for their players when we can't get more than a million quid out of, Rob, out of Crystal Palace for Rob Holding. I, I just, I don't understand it. But but that's clearly, Bowley is clearly banking on these transfer fees going up and up and up. And he thinks even though Nico Jackson is absolute dog shit, they paid 35 million for him and someone's going to give him 70 million in three years time when he don't want him anymore. And and quite frankly, I don't blame him for thinking that because ever since he's been here, that has been what's happened. The the interesting thing to me with Chelsea is is these contract lengths. So I understood it at first, right? Because um, they were able to abortize over... You still eight- can because the, the Premier League hasn't... Chelsea ain't in Europe. Right. So they haven't got to worry about European FFP because they're not in it now. Next year, it could become an issue. But for right now, they're not in it. So it doesn't matter. The Premier League have not closed this loophole. Only the Europe, only UEFA did. The Premier League have not. So Chelsea doing these contracts still amortize over that amount of time in the Premier League. Well, I mean, that kind of changes everything then. Never mind. I mean, then that makes a lot of sense. But if uh, they qualify for the Champions League, though, I don't know how it works when they get into the Champions League because I don't think they would have passed this year, even with the amount of players they sold um, with that. Because, again, you know, they can't spread it over eight and nine years. It's a maximum of five years. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing is going to be what starts to happen with their flops, right? Like, I mean... Yeah, yeah just- oh, 100%. 100%. This whole project is going to depend on them needing clubs like us to pay 60 and 70 million quid for players they don't want. Yeah, I mean, I I think Mudrick's, uh, I think it's too early to call him, oh, he's been a flop, but I think it's too early to call him a flop overall. But like, what are they going to do? He's on an eight-year contract on big wages. On They're going to call Edu and sell him to us for 85 million. They probably will, to be honest. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's, that is obviously what they are hoping he's going to keep happening and you know and every time we say it can't happen there you go man you have paid 55 million for mason mount we've paid 65 million for habits 
Newcastle paid 35 million for a, a left back. I, I saw him five or six times last season. My God, he looked awful. So far out of his depth. They've given 35 million. We can't get we can't get more than a one and a half million loan fee for Kieran Tierney. So I don't know what it is they sprinkle on the uh, sprinkle around the place at Stamford Bridge, but whatever it is, it's been working for them. It's crack, Gav. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> it must be. But it's but on the pitch though. I don't think that's going to help them because I think these players, I think most of them are going to flop because the law of averages says that they're going to flop. And I, you can't recover from that. I understand that financially they think they can get big money back for these players. I don't think that's going to help them with results. That's why I think they're a mid-table team that are going to finish mid-table again. I mean, they're still leaning on 39-year-old Thiago Silva. Yeah. 38. 38. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I don't see I don't see much in them. Um so yeah, and I don't think there's anyone else in contention that's, that's worth discussing, right? I, I don't, I don't see anyone else staying up there. I mean, I, I don't see Brentford being a being a threat towards the top or or anything like that. Well, we'll do a um a Spurs review before the NLD, which is pretty soon actually. But yeah, we'll preview. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, no point then. talking they'll, about. They've lost a couple of games before then as well, so the mood will have completely changed. And I'm I'm more than happy for I'm more than happy for that because I I, I can't be bothered talking about them. I mean, they beat a couple of relegation candidates, and all of a sudden they they they're the best team in the world again. It, it's, it's how it always works every season. I know it's a bizarre, yeah. it's a bizarre thing with them. It really is a bizarre in, thing. And Gav, I don't know if you knew this, but Son, he's back. Oh, he's absolutely, absolutely back. Best, best, best player in the world. It's, it is, <laughs> it is madness, but we will cover that when we do that, when we do the Spurs preview, we'll go into a bit of depth on, on why this can't last for them, which is good, <laughs> but well, hopefully they'll lost a couple of games in between. So, all right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on this morning. Um, we will see you towards the uh, towards the end of next week when we'll we'll do the preview for the Everton game because you know we're all we all cannot wait for another trip to Goodison, right? Right. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that lazy bastard Pascal is back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be back for then. So, okay, mate. All right. Well, I will see you later. Have a good weekend, and everybody at home, we will see you towards the end of the week. Goodbye. Goodbye.